This is a podcast about time. The time it takes to become an artisan. Heritage. Saving to buy something you'll keep forever. Sustainability. Memories attached to clothing that you've loved and lived in. Interiors. And the longevity of friendship. To us, the true definition of luxury. I'm Lynn Coleman. Join me and my friend Jill Brown as we chat about what makes vintage so special. Welcome to A Guide to Luxury, Season 2. A Girl's Guide to Cardiff. Misty watercolour memories. The way we wear a variety, of course, always comes rushing back whenever I muster up thoughts of the Red Dragon. Precious childhood holidays now give way to vintage vacations in one of the most laid-back spots in the country. Wales has spawned some of the most sensational members of our sisterhood, and for that reason, I love to dub Cardiff capital of the divas. From Charlotte Church to Catherine Zeta-Jones, plus her Oscar, of course, not forgetting the queen of all divas, Dame Shirley Bassey herself. Welsh wenches certainly have a flair for fashion that highlights the finer things in life. Prepare to be razzle-dazzled in the city of arcades and even more amazed by how vintage is delivered here, for it's a forager's dream. If you love to rifle through artefacts and antiques in old cavernous buildings while shopping for vintage, then Cardiff is your spiritual home. One of our smaller cities, Cardiff rams home the famous saying, good things come in small packages. I love Cardiff. What about you? Yeah, I've weirdly spent a lot of time in Cardiff for work. Um, you have? Yeah. So my first experience of Cardiff was when I worked in the Big Questions years ago. And in normal times, we travel around the country. The series exec for the first 13 years of the Big Questions always had her place where she wanted to go for dinner in each city. And we, we never changed it. We always went to one place. I remember the first time I was in Cardiff, we went in for dinner. We always would go in relatively early because it was an early start the following day for the show. And we went into this gorgeous fish restaurant. I can't remember what it's called. Please feel free to message us if you know. Right in the centre of Cardiff. And we went in for dinner at half past six. And we came out maybe at half past eight, nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it was like the strip in Falaraki. <laughs> there was just women with no clothes on honestly I'm going to see if I can find it. I've got a picture on my phone but I thought oh what just happened like we went we went in for dinner and we came out and there was just like hordes of people on the street like it's a proper party town Cardiff oh, which I had well. no idea about Absolutely. When we're allowed to party, let's go. I've never partied. I've shopped in, in Cardiff, but I've never I've never partied. And as a kid, I would go to there's a Butlins there. I think it was in Bangor. Ah! Yeah, I, oh, I love it. I love it. I'm a big I'm a big Butlins girl anyway. Um, that's how retro and vintage I am. But you know, I, it's it's so beautiful. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And you know, it kind of juts out. So you've got that gorgeous part of the water at the channel there. It's just, I just love it. I absolutely love it. And the vintage is really, really great there. So in this episode this week, we're going to be talking to an incredible woman who is called Naomi Dehan. And she is the director of a lingerie brand called Edge of Beyond. And I came across this, it's just incredible, intricate feminine, a little touch on the vintage looking style of underwear, you know, in, in its classic sense, you know, garter belts and suspenders and gorgeous bras. And the lace is just to die for. And I discovered to my astonishment, even though I shouldn't be astonished by this, that it all is made in Wales. Wow. 
I know. I, I, and well, when you Wales see this, it's got a big textile heritage, hasn't it? Because it, it was sort of famous for denim. Am I right? It, it's still famous for denim. They still have um, some of the best. My other half got a pair of jeans from there not so long ago, actually, and they're bloody brilliant. It took them a year to break them in. We bang on about this a lot, you and I, but we have such talent here. You know, from design chops, because what Naomi does is really special. But her ability to have understood that that vision can only come full circle when the seamstresses are at the top of their game and when the lace is at the top of its game and when the expertise within the factory are at the the, the best that they can be. You can really see that through the brand. And you better not go internet shopping while we're trying to talk to her because I know what you're like. You're always away Googling. I am. This podcast cost me a fortune. Cost me a fortune too. It's so, so cool. And so I thought actually that because of the way that that looked, she would be a great person to talk to for this episode. God, making underwear must be part sort of textile and part design and part architecture, isn't it? You know, it's not an an easy thing to, to make. For that to now fit all manners of shapes and sizes. And yeah, I'm excited to hear how she how she does it and how she works with that team and how fantastic to think that you could buy something that was made in Britain. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about lingerie, and this is one of the reasons why I gravitated towards her and wanted to talk to her was when I think about lingerie, I I stupidly go to like Paris, you know, in my head, I think about that. And then I also think about corsetry and, you know, like going back really into my, my vintage roots of where that all began. And, and, the mastery of of you know the manipulation of the body and and how you enhance it and and just the way that it makes you feel you know from the moment that you put something like that on I just you do feel different you absolutely do and it's it's a total mood elevator like from from the moment you slip the gusset onto yourself and I do I think it's interesting that I don't know, it, it would have been like, you know, a, a, literally a foundation garment, you know, it was so important and, uh, you know, to the losing of corsets and things like that, I suppose we've sort of gone the other way a little bit, but it's really important and, and and I think what's really magic now is that's for yourself, that doesn't yeah. have to be for somebody else. You can see if you've got, you know, we, we joked previously about my power jacket for big meetings and stuff like that, but, you know, it start at the bottom literally and put something amazing on underneath and nobody else needs to know but it's just for you also the thing that I love about the lingerie community is their ability to like you said having as women reclaiming it for ourselves rather than it being a tool to titillate somebody else that we are now empowered to take pictures in our underwear and share them on forums like or on Instagram and and there are communities that do that and th- that has really exploded and shown the differences in shapes and sizes and it's it's kind of almost made the lingerie industry have to give itself a massive shake but Naomi is was definitely in at the grassroots levels of that she was a woman that wanted to to showcase lingerie in a really different way when she started the brand, I think it was back in 2014. And if anybody knows of the the way that she shoots things and how she styles it, you know, it's it's on it's on real women and the, the names of the the underwear sets all come from people that she knows and loves. They're all named after her her 
friends and family, which is so lovely. It's that really great celebration of it being for women rather than for women to show to men or to or for it to be a sexual thing or it's just for us Mm. it's lovely and I think you know if you think back in time you know it's my favorite piece of trivia about Mad Men is that you know the set the set of Mad Men was designed like an office like if you opened a drawer there would have been 60s pens in the drawer and all of that but the costume designers right down to the underwear all of those women were wearing 60s underwear under those outfits they were wearing girdles and all of those sorts of things so they they embodied that character and I think that that's so so important isn't it yeah you see I I mean even if I if I put on a stocking I feel and hold my body differently than if I had a tight on or if I was bare legged. And it's it's insane, but you do, you you feel it, you sit in a different way. Your outfits certainly sit in a different way. One of my favourite scenes is, is um, Betty and Valentine's Day when Dawn is eating too much and can't quite be bothered having Betty for dessert. But she comes out in this absolutely sensational, lovely little basque and, and suspenders. And you just think, You've sat in that all night. I don't think, I, to be fair, I don't think that I've sat in lingerie and corsetry for a whole day the way that they would have in the 60s or, you know, in, no. in, in any other decade. But thank God that in this day and age, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as restrictive as it would have been then. Like that would have, think about the winding. <laughs> and the thing is that, you know, tights just don't compare. I just, I just had that when you were talking about that, this absolute flashback of my university boyfriend seeing me put tights on for the first time and was just like, what the hell are they? <laughs> They're tights. Like, how have you not seen a woman in tights before? And he was like, well, I have, but I've never seen them like without the skirt or dress on top. They're horrendous. They are like, horrendous. They're totally horrendous. Of course they are. But amazingly practical. <laughs> Nah, see, I don't know. The thing that I love, and now we're getting very intimate as we go in to talk about intimates, um, the thing that I hate about tights is that they're just thrush creators. Like, I don't need that many tight fabrics, particularly synthetics, around my crotch area. So, actually, for me, stockings were always a brilliant way at keeping the airflow going around there. It's not something I own. A stocking. Mm. Jill Brown. Now you do have to go net shopping while we're talking (laughs) yeah i have to be like naomi you need to you need to sort me out yeah i know i don't know why jill that is outrageous this will change your life because i'm telling you once you do that see once you trade your tights your your foof will thank me trust me (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i don't know i don't know if i just assume because my legs are so long that they'll not be long enough that they fall down. That's my assumption is that fall down. Actually, stockings are practical because they have the scaffolding to keep it in place. Oh. It's, it's I great. Try it. Yes. I need to try it. The thank me later, I'm telling you. Okay, should we talk to Naomi so that you and I don't um, talk about vaginas anymore? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Let's get the expert in. <laughs> so as I've learned from Lynn, the makers and the provenance of your garments is everything. I associate whales with leeks and sheep and singing. So how come you ended up making your lingerie there? I found um, the the place we now produce in Wales um, actually back in 2014 when we launched. I was looking for somewhere to manufacture and obviously we started off, um, 
well, we're still small, but we started off incredibly small and we just wanted to make a really small collection for the first season. And I'd heard about this place um, in Wales called AJM Sewing. And at the time they were actually uh, producing for Ajahn Pocketer and lots of the big British brands, um, as well as also doing smaller runs. And um, I had a call with James, uh, who was the owner, and we just got on really well. He's so lovely, um, the sweetest person. I, I don't, I, we couldn't have started the brand without having him and AJM Sewing. They were so friendly. They helped us through every step of the way. They did our tiny POs and made our first collection for us. Um, they have a, they had a whole factory of super skilled machinists there um who had all had so much experience in lingerie they did so many other luxury lingerie brands it was it was so smooth when there were issues with our patterns they would come back to us and say like oh I think you should tweak this when there were issues with the tech packs they'd let us know like they weren't judgy and they weren't they were just so helpful every step of the way it James has been like my kind of brand father figure so he's kind of just helped me along the way and um when we when we started growing a bit quick a bit quicker um lots of our our retailers were saying oh we want the price to come down we want the price to come down and we were trying all these different things and it wasn't working so we tried moving production to Mauritius um I'm half Mauritian I thought it was like a a good step the manufacturing there was beautiful as well um they were really skilled but there was um and the price was obviously lower which is what we were trying to achieve but the shipping back and forward was a lot and I started feeling quite guilty about um our carbon footprint and every between every sample was shipping back and forward and it was just getting a bit ridiculous so I, I spoke to James and I said okay I think we're gonna come back and um we were all set up to come back and unfortunately we were about to start on the Monday and the Friday night. I get a call from James and he's like, we've just, we're going into administration. Um, and I, I, I feel so sorry for him. He'd, he'd been in the business for such a long time and he's helped so many brands. He's done so many amazing things. His team there is wonderful. He's amazing. Um, but a lot of bigger brands were screwing him around and lots of people didn't pay their bills. And I think he just got into a lot of trouble. He managed to buy the space back and buy all of the machinery back at auction it's amazing so what we do now is we rent the space and the machinery off James um, and we just hired um, to start off with two of his ex-machinists which was amazing and eventually we hired a third machinist and that kept us going for two years and then suddenly at the end of the summer last year things just kicked off for us and we now have um, nine machinists there going really well and we're, we're looking to hire some more and um, to expand the team a bit more but the amazing thing is we still have James's expertise so we have obviously all the amazing ladies who were seamstresses there before um who have joined us and just are incredibly skilled and then we also still have James um who I call at least once a week um to help me with various things you get caught up in a dialogue that shouldn't even be happening. You should be singing about whales and those seamstresses yeah. and and the product just is just absolutely beautiful. It's, it's interesting. We do get a lot, well, 
we get a lot of comments on social media saying like, oh, look at the price point there. And then some people saying horrible things about how we've priced our products. And I always try to explain to people like, do you know, like the, this lace we're using alone costs 90 euros a meter. Like we make everything in the UK. Our hardware is 24 karat gold plated. Like there's 24 pattern pieces in this one garment. There's 64 gold plated pieces of hardware in this one garment like you have to think about how it's made where it's made the processes that we go through like we're not shoving on massive markups on things it's just you have to understand the product and where it was made how it was made what it's made from around kind of end of April May time we've noticed people are do seem to be investing more in their underwear obviously people are kind of going back to wearing like the basics the, the tracksuits and things at home and being comfortable and then but obviously the lingerie is the first thing you put on in the morning and I really think that this is hypocritical of me right now I'm wearing an ugly um Amazon nursing bra <laughs> but um I feel like when I'm not wearing my ugly Amazon nursing bras which I currently have to wear at the moment um I think lingerie is the first thing you put on in the morning it's it's what sets the tone for the day and this is what our customers keep saying to us they're putting on this lovely lingerie and then they're just feeling so great about themselves and we have built up the most wonderful loyal customer base and we have such lovely feedback I think my favorite thing about the brand is hearing the customer feedback and hearing seeing our customers send in their pictures in their underwear and saying how it's made them feel honestly like it, I think it's amazing um on social media there is this really wonderful kind of lingerie community which I didn't know about until I started the brand which is actually really strong in fact um, one of the girls that we recently hired here is kind of part of that whole lingerie community and um, lots of their best friends have been made through social media um, there's this there's this big group of women uh, especially in Australia actually but also around the UK and other countries um, who just post all of their lingerie finds on social media post pictures of themselves and their lingerie and how it makes them feel and it's not about being like a supermodel in your lingerie it's about body everyone's bodies everyone posting their pictures and it's it's honestly amazing it's like the most incredible thing to see when we did post a video on our social media recently of um some behind the scenes in wales it was one of our top performing posts ever on social media and you realize that people do want to see how it's made and where it's made and they are really interested when you do show them when I posted the video I thought oh gosh we're always posting like all these amazing women in lingerie I feel like maybe this isn't what people want to see and I was incorrect it was what people want to see people do want to see where things are made now yeah origin the back end of a story is is always the most interesting and it makes people connect even more to a brand and its journey and its story but where did it all start from you how did this because I I know that lingerie is not it's not the the jump off point that you had started out in it was actually kind of um just before university I just started to become really interested in lingerie um, in itself and I always used to go window shopping and then um, actually me and my mum used to go to Selfridges a lot together and look around the lingerie section and it just looks so beautiful and gra- glamorous and I loved all the intricate details um, I also really liked body jewellery at the time um, I remember visiting uh, this place um, actually in the south of France where um, 
you this lady had different reels of chains and then you could tell her what jewelry you wanted and she just made it there and then for you so I made myself like a body chain I when I was at university I was kind of like sketching these little ideas um and I ended up working in the music industry for a little bit actually and then after university I was thinking of going back uh, to do that but um I had a kind of a six month buffer period before I was starting with them um so I thought okay I'm just gonna write a business plan and kind of see where this goes and I just got I just got so kind of passionate about the whole thing and I was really excited um just to try and see what would happen so I wrote about 10 business plans my dad kept kind of ripping them to pieces and I'd start again and um I went to a trade show in Paris actually just to kind of see what it was like and again it just made me even more kind of passionate excited and seeing all the fabrics and visiting seeing some suppliers there and in Agent Provocateur my local Agent Provocateur where I used to be based um there was a girl who had um who was working there who had just finished a contour fashion degree which is um basically the degree you need to be able to physically make the lingerie and the patterns and she was saying to me like oh yeah I don't really want to be working in Agent Provocateur I would I'd rather be making making things but I haven't found a job yet and I said well I am looking to start a lingerie brand like do you want to come help me for like a few hours a few hours a day and um that's how it started I found this trade show to go to in uh in New York called Curve so I had a photographer friend from school so this photographer friend from school came and I kind of uh, did all the creative directing and um, I made the samples with James in Wales. So it was kind of all very like, we hadn't invested much money in it, but we had all the ideas and we had made the physical samples. You invested a lot of time, sounds like. Yeah, a lot of, it was a lot of time, um, but it was, it was amazing. I still loved my job. Like I would do my job seven days a week, like, and I'd be very happy. Like I, I love what I do. Um, so yeah, we had this photo shoot and then we took the photos and the samples to the trade show and it turns out that's all you need. So we then, uh, got our first buyers. Um, so we were picked up by Coco de Mer in London who were, I mean, that's a very cool first stockist to have. Cool. Um, she is, she is in here 10 years ago. This is, the, yeah, yeah, Coco de Mer is in there. She's, and, and her mother, like the, the goddess that that started a body shop is it's just yeah sounds amazing um and then also we had a journal who was a like the biggest um kind of luxury lingerie online boutique oh well they had physical stores as well in the US um and then a few other places and it just kind of kicked off from there so we took our orders before we made our production so there wasn't really much risk and um then yeah we got loads of amazing press and we just it just kind of accelerated from there which is which was great. In the in the process of all of that, you're still a relatively new kid on the block, right? Because when when was it that you started? Yeah, we launched in two thousand, the end of two thousand and fourteen, um, and we opened in Coco de Mer in was September two thousand fourteen. That's incredible to have a stockist like that before you've even kicked a ball you must have just been like okay I'm on to a good thing yeah I do remember like um some it got picked up by quite an influential blogger at the time who who said 
that I was arrogant going to a trade show before, like when I had no background in fashion and no experience and why was I at this trade show? And I think like lots of people like to say mean things, but you have to start somewhere and obviously the buyers will come to the trade show. So it, it made sense for me the way I'm not sure I did it in the most conventional way. And as I said, I don't have a fashion background and I didn't know anyone in the world who had a fashion brand and I don't think I would have been able to um, get in front of anyone who did have a fashion brand because um, I, I, I found at the time even finding suppliers um, in terms of um, getting sourcing our fabrics lots of people wouldn't even have meetings with me because I looked very young at the time and I didn't have anyone else backing me I didn't have any experience and we people literally wouldn't send me samples because they thought I was you didn't I don't know people just didn't want to work with me so that was again one of my favorite things about James and why I'm so grateful for him was he was just he didn't laugh at me he didn't he just took me seriously from the start and he really helped me through the whole process like James made everything so smooth for me like I'm so grateful to him but yeah at the start it was tricky um finding people to work with yeah, you you don't have to convince anybody of like who cares if it's not conventional and what does that even mean? That so what you you spend four years at art school, that and that makes you qualified to do something. It doesn't, you know. I, I suppose that there's a hundred and one questions whirling around my head right now. But in terms of where you started, then going into lockdown, like how much has changed? And and even from, from what you were saying, the social media aspect, and you've you came right at a time where body positivity was a really huge thing the the, you know the definitions of how we we look at beauty really really changed around about that time too so you were were absolutely in the perfect porthole for all of that your your image really captures that too it doesn't matter you know it's not airbrushed it's when we first launched um the photographer that I had I did the styling and picked the location and things like that but then he picked the model and he did the editing and it was kind of all quite airbrushed and kind of quite a typical look for the model and from then on after that I kind of I didn't use him again we did it myself and I kind of I mean I'm mixed race my my mum's black and I've always kind of um been around quite I mean my family's obviously very diverse and my friends are all very diverse and then I kind of wanted the brand to kind of more represent what I would want to see if I was buying lingerie so from then on we we have, if you look at all of our campaigns, like we try and use as many different body types as possible and as many different ethnicities as possible. Obviously, again, that's actually quite hard to find. Um, it's much easier now in 2020 and 2021. But when I launched in 2014, 2015, 2016, going to the big, all the agencies in London and asking for, we literally put in, since the start, in all of our emails to the agencies when we're looking for models, we say, we want um, all ethnic backgrounds. We want as many sizes as possible. And I wish I could show you the emails. You get back emails and you have just like maybe 50 girls and they'll all be extra small and they'll all be like very slim white girls. And it was just, I, I feel like every modeling agency had one mm. black girl on their board and they kind of fulfilled that quota so it'd be one black girl per agency and it's honestly infuriating and at the start our customers would be like oh I'd love to see this on like darker skin I'd love to see this on a bigger model and the same thing for bigger sizes you just 
it was impossible to find them through the agencies. I feel like we're now, well, firstly, it's it's got a lot better now, but also we have our own contacts now, so things are a bit easier. But at the start, it was genuinely very hard to find diversity from the London agencies. And the, the thing that you're saying, Naomi, that, that, you know, you came at this from a very different point of view, that you then went to jump through a classical loophole of okay if I have to find a model it has to be this but actually now looking at your imagery it looks like it's part of a community and friends and you know you don't have to go through an agency you just find a bang and get regardless and you know she doesn't she doesn't need to be signed to select or she can just be herself on Instagram or you know me or Jill or you or you know it's 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 about it's about women isn't it it doesn't matter that she does this for a living although I'm sure in the early days because it was lingerie to try and get your friends to let you snap them in their panties I'm sure wouldn't have been that easy I'm so desperate to have so all of our lingerie is named after um my friends and family so women in my friends and family I have always said I'm so desperate to do a shoot with all of them wearing their own ranges you have to I would make it happen I would kill for it but obviously like not everyone wants to be photographed in their lingerie and then have that publicized I mean (laughs) but um that would that would be my dream I would love that but yeah I mean our last shoot we had um Cat, who was a beautiful redhead model who was the pregnant woman baby yeah so she's great so um she is just someone that I knew so again that was like not an agency model but she was incredible she's um she's now got a baby who's a few months old and she's um a performer so she does kind of contortion fire breathing acrobatic she's like like one of those amazing circus girls she's already back to work in her lingerie like with her bringing her baby along because she's breastfeeding like she's incredible so I like having women that are like truly themselves um wearing our lingerie I think you're you're right I think that someone has to invest in you and your pieces the authenticity of it all and that's what you see when you're certainly when you're on the site and the stuff honestly the stuff is absolutely beautiful and uh, I, I'm not just saying that I know that when we are going to be um recording the the intro or outro to this Jill will end up shopping while I'm I'm doing where are you were you shopping she's, see that's why she's being quiet I knew she was bloody shopping no I think I think with lingerie as well like we have a, a depop shop so again with the whole like we try not to throw anything away um so we have a kind of brand depop shop where um, all of the samples that we make when we're developing, we then put them on Depop. So like the lingerie community can then buy our samples. So number one, they don't go to waste. We don't check them out. And number two, it's obviously a much lower price point. Um, and there's lots of one-off pieces there, which is really cool. So I've seen a lot on Instagram recently about um, independent designers and small brand designers calling out big brands for, how shall we say it? taking inspiration from your work is that something you've experienced it honestly it's happened so many times like I can't oh my gosh like I would say every month there's someone who's copied something it's 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 like it's heartbreaking it's like soul destroying because the design is probably our biggest thing um we spend so much time working on the designs and perfecting the patterns like the way our company is split up um we have a huge chunk of the company is just product developers because we spend 
diving. Uh, that's why we have so many samples on Depop. We spend so much time working on the designs, working on the patterns, making sure everything's perfect for then someone to just buy it. I mean, it's 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 annoying. It's so obvious that they've copied it to us, but then sometimes you show people and they're like, oh, you don't really see it. But I mean, the, fa- the first time I've seen it, I just remembered what it was. It was um, our Louisa body. We had this, so we want to always make pieces that you can wear when you're when you have like um bigger boobs but a smaller back or a bigger back and smaller boobs or if you have like big boobs but a tiny bum or vice versa like obviously everyone's body's a different shape so we work really hard to make sure that our products work on different body types so we have the kind of like adjustable back strapping so you can buy according to your cup size and not your back size and the um the Louisa body, which is the first one that I noticed a copy of, um, it's a beautiful bodysuit, but the top it, um, detaches from the bottoms. So you buy your cup size according to your cup size and your bottom size according to your bottom size. So it will always fit. Whereas usually, I mean, I've only ever seen brands doing kind of small, medium, large. Then obviously, if you have like an A cup and a large bum, it's just not going to fit and vice versa. And I remember the first time I saw someone copy us, um, they had co- completely copied the bodysuit, but it was just so annoying to me because they had put the detachable swan hooks on there, but then on their website, they were selling it as extra small, small, medium, large. Like they didn't even understand why it was detachable. And I was saying to my friends like, oh, like you're supposed to sell it separately. And they were looking at me like, oh, why are you angry about that bit? And I'm like, well, why have they copied that bit if they don't understand what it's there for? And it- I suppose the hard thing is that when you're in your, your business, that lingerie, lingerie, and once you've put something out there, nothing is IPable, you know. Victoria's Secrets, they copy so many people. So when I was Victoria's Secrets, I just, I kind of had reached my limit, I think. And, and I put something angry on social media and it got picked up by Diet Prada, which then lost like a lot of press on the matter, which I think was, um, I think it's important. I think it's, 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 some people need to be cooled out. Well, I th- the thing the thing that I wanted to say was that what must be really difficult for you is that obviously the brand is still in its infancy. You know, you're reaching that decade mark, which will make you, you know, actually in in, in British fashion standards, uh, 10 years in the business makes you a newcomer, which is bonkers. The thing that I was going to say to you was that, that what you're experiencing right now is that your design and ethics and the, the business signature that you have is so on the money that you're 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 now in a position where you're setting a standard and that's exciting because people people are you know that's like the biggest form, form of flattery what you need to do is to be able to elevate yourself above that and say this is where it came from see part of me feels like that but part of me feels like if you just don't do anything and you let like these bigger corporations do things like that then they'll just always do that and i think it's just i think it's so unethical and I I don't know I really the Victoria's Secrets thing out of everyone that's ever copied us I don't know why that just made me lose the most sleep I still don't really know why I just I think I think the timing wasn't good because of their whole kind of the thing that came out with them saying they they wouldn't work with plus size models and their whole trans the trans issue they had I just feel like as a company, I just don't think they're very nice. It just seems so completely away from the ethos of your company. You know what I mean? Like, just listening to your story, it's so about, you know, I mean, it completely changes. Um, Empowering. 
Yeah, and that's it. And I think that, you know, now that obviously your stuff is absolutely beautiful and I've disappeared for a good 20 minutes just looking at it. But already I think, well, I would buy from there because it's made in Wales. Do you know what I'm like? It's made in Britain. It's designed in Britain. I understand now having lived, loved and worked with Lynn for so long, how important those skills are and to keep those skills alive, like those machi- those nine machinists, how important. And I think now getting inside your head, sorry, but I think there's an element of here's a massive company that absolutely sneered and turned their nose up at doing any form of diversity. I mean, their Victoria's Secret, it's, it's like watching prize stallions walk down. You know, it's 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 incredible. It's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. No, it's, not, it's embarrassing. But it's just out of touch and it's tone deaf. You know what? You don't want that anywhere near your vagina you just don't also on that subject you should always wash your pants before you um before you wear them I always think that I don't understand people that buy lingerie and just shove it straight on I just think oh that's do you know that's such a Naomi why have I never done that why have I never washed my pants before now I'm terrified I could have chlamydia from my pants we we talk about where I went to university far too much on this podcast and the film Clueless far too much in this podcast. But you know, in, in Clueless, when they're sitting talking about Cher's virginity in the diner and she talks about, well, you see how fussy I am about my shoes and they just go on my feet. So I think that that's, we need to all be a little bit more fussy about our underwear because, I mean, I've also been trying to convince Lynn to get me a cashmere bra knocked up. We, I mean, we, we get stuff back from customers that's, um, needs to go in the wash a lot of the time which is also a really uncomfortable email to then send them right well (laughs) your refund because (laughs) you can't really hide that stuff (laughs) (laughs) okay everybody i I, we wash your pants wash your pants particularly if you're sending them back